Hello, welcome to Roy's Rocket Radio, the UK podcast for the pop culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This is episode 217, recorded on Wednesday, the 22nd of August 2018. And the time at the beginning of the show is 9 minutes to 12 midnight and 40 seconds. And hello, yeah, we are recording on a different day. Frankly, I was sick of all the other major podcasts releasing on Friday, and then no one bothering to listen to my show on Sunday. Whether they would listen or not, though, is an entirely different matter. Maybe I'm changing the date for no reason, but there you are. And yeah, welcome to the show, welcome to another episode of me waffling on about what nerdy things that I have been up to during the week. And not on that subject, let me start off with a rant. Ah, yeah, another one. This time it's about repeat prescriptions. You see, I get an over-the-counter anti-acid, but I get it on prescription because I take so many that not getting it on a prescription would make it cost a lot of money. The point is, though, that although I take a relatively benign drug called ranitidine, which is called Zantac in the US, if you're listening over there, there are some side effects. I mean, there's side effects to just about every medication. After all, they are slightly poison, and you have to balance the good they can do against the harm that they could do. Well, I've been taking them for a very long time, and I decided to wean myself off them recently. Actually, when I first got that prescription, that was the idea. I had gone from an even nastier antiacid that's only available on prescription, although now I think you can get it without, to this slightly less nasty one. A lot less nasty. But at the end of the day, who wants to be reliant on taking things forever if you don't have to? Ah. Oh, back to the moan. The pills come in 150 milligrams. So when I got my prescription, I went to the pharmacist and I asked for the same amount, but in... 75 milligram pills instead. The idea is that I start to reduce my dose. And it's easier if I have smaller pills. And you can see where this is going. Guess what I have put in the notes, but you don't really have to guess. No, the pharmacist said I'll need to see my doctor. Right. <laughs> Obviously, my pharmacist is scared of maths. Or, on the other hand, maybe it's just a pedantic twit. Either way, it's not particularly reassuring. And, you know what? This isn't the first time this particular guy has gone weird on me. The last time was when I asked for a muscle relaxant for my neck pain. And he looked at me as if I just asked for heroin. Anyway, 
I did get my medicine after all, but of course, in the wrong dose. Although saying that, he did manage to slightly screw up the prescription by giving me the right drug, of course in the wrong dose, but also with the wrong finish on the tablets. I mean, what an idiot. But, okay. All I'm doing is cutting the pills in half. This is a really weird moan, isn't it? Usually people moan about not getting enough of their prescription. I'm moaning about getting too high a dose, but yeah. My rant really isn't just about the pharmacist. It's about the obsession for red tape and the phobia of doing something even slightly different that some people have. I suppose there's lots of things that you can blame this on, but since I recently watched Spartacus, I'm going to blame the Romans and their <laughs> legacy of Jobsworth bloody-mindedness. After all, the Romans did have a wonderful twin tradition of both violence and bureaucracy. Bunch of gits. Anyway, let me know if you too are suffering under the wooden mallet of bureaucracy. And a really obvious segue from that into Spartacus War of the Dam 2013, which was on TV. And I finally watched the last few episodes of this Star's Sword and Sandals epic, which was being repeated on one of our channels. I think it was Channel 5. It ends exactly how you think it ends, because we've all seen the film with Kirk Douglas. Again, Romans. Pah. Next, The Sinner. 2018. Jessica Beale's The Sinner is back for season two with a completely new and horrifying, of course, story for Bill Pullman's shaky detective to solve. Jessica Beale isn't actually in this. She just produces the show and again, we have a mystery, but this time the mystery is about a kid who may have murdered his parents. I think it's pretty good. Watch it if you have time and are into procedurals with a big spoonful of horror. Next, The Wire. Yeah, this is a bit old and... When it was out, and the subsequent years after it was out, people kept on telling me, oh, you have to watch this, Roy, you have to watch this. So, yesterday, I did finally watch one episode, and it's not for me. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with it, although I did recognise two Brit actors who kind of jumped off the screen, Idris Elba and some other guy who I've seen in other things. It would not surprise me in the least if this very street Baltimore tale of drug dealing, 
turns out to be swarming with British actors. The two actors in this, Edris Alba and the other guy, I'm sorry, other guy, I just can't remember your name, and I'm not about to Google right now, have markedly strong British accents hiding under those American accents. I don't know if that's just my expectation, because I know that they're British, therefore I listen to them more carefully, searching out for those little nuances of Britishness, and maybe I'm being a bit unfair on them, but it did grate a little. Anyway, although I do watch the odd non-geek thing, I'm not so sure that I'll be following this one up. I think, though, that I will recommend it to my father, who's really into his police shows. Next, Deadpool 2. I hated it. I hated it even more than the first. The diversity which everyone bangs on about seems utterly insincere. The worst thing was the Indian cab driver, who is, again, actually lamer than Apu from The Simpsons. While I'm on that subject, I'm going to go off on a tiny little tangential rant, although I might have already done that, but it did remind me of the situation with Hank Azaria. Remember, not so long ago, he came over all sorry for his offence of playing Apu for so long, which is all very laudable, except when you think that he was sorry about it after he scored a part in another hit comedy. That is, after. So, I suppose he thought there's now nothing to stop me sounding like a good guy, but suffering no loss in the process. What I want to know is, couldn't he have said something ten years ago? Because... I am still really sick of how brown people are the hilarious butt of jokes, even now. I had to grow up with this nonsense, and I thought we would have put this behind us, but it's still there. Nothing really changes in about 100 years, so fantastic. And, okay... I got a bit annoyed about that. Let's get back to Deadpool 2. And I can get even more annoyed. Let's talk about the other diverse characters. We have the sassy black woman. No stereotype there. We have the giggly Japanese anime chick. Again, no stereotype. And we've got the fat kid. No stereotype. And the Bieber-esque lesbian which was almost funny for about a minute, about ten years ago. And, of course, we've got the sort of Leslie Phillips-ish Deadpool's campy bisexuality. (laughs) This has annoyed me so much that I'm not going to talk about it anymore. 
Writing credits for this drivel go to the clown car occupants of Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick or Wernick, and Ryan Reynolds. I think they thought what they wrote was subversive and ironic and exploitative all at the same time, and it was not. These guys just don't understand either irony or exploitation cinema, and you know exactly what part of my anatomy they can kiss. Hence, the title of this episode. Although there are other reasons for that, which are not so ranty, which we'll come on to a bit later. And that was my hatred of Deadpool 2. Another film, Elizabeth Harvest, 2018. This is a horror science fiction movie where within (laughs) the first 23 minutes, you know almost exactly what is going on. There's a bit of Stepford, which isn't giving too much away. And then it turns into Triangle from 2016. And then it becomes really complicated. So complicated, in fact, that it needs about an hour of exposition, and I'm not joking, via the found diary trope before going ex machina. All that stuff I have said about how The film gives itself away, and the title, Elizabeth Harvest. And if you know it's a sci-fi horror, just the name of the movie is enough to give it away. So you don't even have to wait that long. You don't have to wait 23 minutes. You don't have to wait for an hour. Now, all that sounds like I hated it, but I didn't. I think it is very stylish. I'm not damning with faint praise. I think that can be important in a film. And I watched it shortly after seeing the equally beautifully shot Mario Bava's Danger Diabolique from 1968, which is what we're going to talk about next. Man, we're segueing into segue into segue. It's like an endless hall of mirrors thingy. Not hall of mirrors, infinite mirror. Isn't that it? Danger Diabolique, 1968. This is a comic book adaptation that was on the TV a few days ago. The comic book is about a ruthless supervillain, a modern-day Phantomas, and it, the comic book, that is, gave rise to, to the giallo genre and other characters like Criminal, and Satanique. Look, I've talked about this before in many, many podcasts because I'm a fan of pulp. I am particularly a fan of Italian giallo. So I won't repeat myself except to reiterate how much I love this nasty and properly exploitative, though honest, in its intention, subgenre of crime slash horror fiction. And yeah, I did read that bit out because it was too long for me to say that without referring heavily to notes. Back to the movie, though. It is, as I said, wonderfully shot 
and acted. Particularly when you realise that this is pulp. But I did a bit of research after watching it, and apparently it did cost a fair bit of money. So I suppose they could afford good actors. The actors are American John Philip Law as Diabolique, and Austrian Marissa Mel as Eva Kant. And they are absolutely perfectly cast. I think... It is extraordinary the way that John Philip Law does the whole iconic eyebrows and eye thing that is particular to these kind of anti-heroes. I mean, he's wearing this rubber mask and all you can see is his eyes, so if he doesn't have expressive eyes, how's that going to work? And that is something taken straight from the art of the comic. If I have to criticise anything, it's that the film does seem very derivative of James Bond and the original Adam West Batman, which predate it by a few years. That's one minor criticism. I'd still say it's really, really worth watching. And Terry Thomas is also in it. Terry Thomas! And that is Danger Diabolique 1968. Probably not the first time I've talked about this movie in the podcast. But we're up to podcast 217, so I'm allowed a little repetition. Leaving the small screen and the big screen behind, sort of. We're down to the even smaller screen. And Diablo 1, or just Diablo. I played the isometric, i.e. 2.5D roguelike from 1996, after the pub. And although I think the game is great, I've forgotten the one way in which it falls down. And that is mouse-only movement. Sure, some people have created things like keyboard macros, but it's a bit hacky, and it's still really a mouse-driven game. And unfortunately, my phone-tired hands just can't deal with that much extra mousing. Next blast from the past will be the Hexen and Heretic series when I get the time. Although... That was when I wrote the notes, and since then I have installed most of the MS-DOS Hexen franchise and some of the Windows games as well. I'll let you know how that goes when I get a bit more time to play around with them. Another thing I got round to doing, a bit like The Wire, for the very first time is listen to some Cradle of Filth. Although I've probably heard some of their stuff before, I made a determined effort to listen to more of it. And what do I think of Danny Filth's project? It's not for me. Particularly the vocals. It almost seems like someone took the band from 
the film Deathgasm 2015 and made it real. Actually, I'm sure that the film must have borrowed heavily from Cradle of Filth. Despite my predilection for <laughs> the colour black, the macabre, the occult, and horror, it's not my sort of thing. I'm afraid I'm more into Bauhaus, that side of the spectrum. Or maybe I'm just the wrong generation. Ah, whatever. Um, those are the main geekly things I wanted to talk about this week. In the outro section, let's talk feedback. I have finally had a comment about the show, and it has been a very, very long time since I've had one of those. It happened via my YouTube channel, because Rise Rocket Radio is also available there. A user called Mr. New SLR says that this is an interesting show, thanks Mr. SLR, and suggests a couple of films I might want to talk about. Also, he, or she, asks why I'm not doing vodcasts, or why I'm not doing my show on YouTube. It's really mainly down to time and editing video rather than audio takes a lot more time. And you also have to factor in my vanity, because it is hard to look good on camera. Also, while an audio audience might listen for an hour, they probably won't watch for an hour. I'm, of course, guessing this, but... I'm basing this on my own use of YouTube as opposed to podcasts, and I definitely prefer listening to watching. Still, thanks for the comment, Mr. New SLR, and keep them coming, listeners! And while we're on the subject of YouTube, though we've probably tackled this before, I thought it worth saying... If you are a fellow podcaster, that is someone who makes podcasts, and you think, hey, Roy's using YouTube, so should I. Well, good luck. Since that last comment from Mr. New SLR, I have lost exactly one subscriber from YouTube, so I'm now down to 13. And that's 13 exactly, not shorthand for 13 million. I have also dropped 19% in views. Most of my views are clips that have absolutely nothing to do with Roy's Rocket Radio, which proves that people are more interested in regurgitated stuff than they are with Roy's Rocket Radio and my superb original content. Or, logically, that I'm just a terrible podcaster and no one wants to listen to me. What I'm saying is... Transcoding your podcast for YouTube is pointless if you just want more listeners. I do it for two reasons. One, I'm probably more desperate than most people to have any kind of listener. And two, 
I'm using it to archive my content for posterity. Point two might also be useless, as can we really trust YouTube to be there forever? Eventually, I want to go over to archive.org, but their editing tools for curating content are a bit rubbish. Finally, last Saturday, just a few days ago, I went to the beach, and this is the first of any kind of holiday I have had in five years. I survived terrifying sea creatures that are the bane of Southend-on-Sea, and more importantly, stuffed my greedy nerd face with seaside chips and donuts. <sighs> now, I'm wondering if I had anything else to say. It's so hard to just come up with off-the-cuff stuff without your notes in front of you. I'm sure I had something, but I'm afraid it will have to wait until the next podcast. That's really it for now. If you want to get in touch, you can find me at troymather.com. That's R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. I'm also at roymartha.wordpress.com. I'm at troymartha on Twitter. Please, as always, I ask that you review the show in iTunes or just send me a comment. It's nice to chat to people. If you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. And that's it. You were listening to Roy's Rocket Radio, the UK podcast for the pop culture geek, technology nerd, and creative wizard. This was episode 217, recorded on Wednesday, the 22nd of August 2018, but ending on Thursday, the 23rd of August 2018, at 23 minutes past midnight and 40 seconds. Thanks for listening, and bye for now. Bye!